I hope all of you are doing well. Welcome to another episode of the MKM podcast. I am recording this on Wednesday night, Thursday morning. So if anything happens by the time this episode is up, I really apologize for that. In today's episode, I would be recapping the India South Africa Test series. and at the end of the episode i would share my thoughts on kohli's captaincy and what it means for indian cricket moving forward i wanted to record this over the weekend but then the bombshell news of kohli's resignation dropped i wanted to wait till bcci announced the next test captain but i think they are holding out to see how kl rahul performs in the ongoing odi series before taking a call which may or may not be fair depending on your perspective Anyway, let's jump right into it. So, I think this was a phenomenal series, one of the best series that I have seen competitively in a long time. I wish it was not a three-match but instead a five-match series because I'm pretty sure even if it was an eleven-match series, if it would have ended six-five in favor of one of the two teams, as the two teams were really closely matched. Now, on paper, before the start of the series, that might not have appeared to be the case because we have a very primitive view of judging a test score. The fundamental problem in a test match is to take twenty wickets, and any test squad should be judged by the strength of their bowlers. If you need more proof of it, just look at the record of visiting teams in test series that are played in India. There's a reason why India has been so dominant. for almost a decade in india it's because they do not have the bowlers to match up with the likes of ashwin jadeja akshar not because they don't have quality enough batsmen to match our batting side and it is actually a testament to our indian bowling squad that not only they are dominant at home but they can also match up and often outperform the opposing bowling sides in their home grounds anyway Before the start of the series, I thought Indians were slight favourite. After the South African Cricket Board revealed that their fast bowler Andrik Norkia was going to miss the series because of a hip injury, given that Rabada was the only mainstay from the 2018 defeat that Indians tasted at the hands of South Africans in South Africa. But Marco Janssen, who has been a revelation, stepped up in Norkia's absence. and lungi ingidi played a very important role as a reliable third bowler who didn't leak runs and picked up crucial wickets so the question is why is it that the indians lost it's not because of the batting i'll get to it the main reason is because the south african bowlers performed better compared to their indian counterparts and that's usually to be expected from a home bowling team if you look at their overall stats then the indian team took 46 wickets at an average of 24 and had a strike rate of 49 on the other hand the south african team took 59 wickets at an average of 20 and a strike rate of 39 the numbers are close but if you dig deeper that's when you start seeing the real difference between the two bowling sides the indians in the first innings took wickets at an average of 17 and had a strike rate of 37 while the south african bowling team took wickets at an average of 22 and a strike rate of almost 46 in the first innings so if you compare their first inning stats you will see that actually the likes of bumrah shami siraj outplayed the likes of rabada yansen and ingidi in their home conditions the real difference actually comes in the second innings in the second innings indians took wickets at an average of 41 
and at a strike rate of 77. On the other hand, the South Africans improved their average and strike rate from the first innings and their average in the second innings was 18 and a strike rate of 34. So it was the second innings that was the real difference between the two bowling sides. So the question arises, why is it that Indians performed better in the bowling department in the first innings and South Africans performed better and not by a small margin but actually a huge margin in the second innings. The primary reason for that is Indian bowlers are excellent at extracting lateral or seam movement of the pitch. So they are used to pitching the ball higher up the pitch and that is something that you can see in the data also where Indians pitched 44% of their balls in the good length area compared to 41% in the short or back of the length. Now the South African bowlers because of their height advantage you have to remember that Marco Janssen, Lungi Ingidi, Rabada and Olivier are all above 6 feet and the first three are significantly above 6 feet. When it comes to the Indian quicks, none of them are above 6 feet. So, the South African bowlers, because of their higher release point, were able to take advantage of the uneven bounce of the pitch in the second innings once the seam movement dried up. And while Indians pitched 41% of their balls in the short or back of the length, the South Africans actually pitched 47% of their balls in the shorter back of the length and took 33 wickets from those lengths compared to only 11 wickets for Indians. The Indians on the other hand scalped 22 wickets from the good length area while South Africans extracted only 18 wickets. That is why the Indian bowlers could not perform as well as the South African bowlers in the second innings. So unless Kohli or Dravid could suddenly stretch their bowlers to 6 feet there's not much that they could have done and our bowlers who are used to pitching the ball up to extract the seam movement cannot suddenly adjust to delivering most of their balls in the shorter back of the length. While South Africans can do that because they have grown up in such conditions that is why in general the home bowlers outperform the visiting bowlers even if the numbers or the skill sets are similar. So in summary that was the main reason why the Indians lost the test series because again I'll repeat the South Africans took advantage of their higher release point and made use of the uneven bounce that was available on the pitch. Now if you go to social media there have been calls for dropping Pujara and Rahane especially Rahane. See there are only two reasons for any player of any cricket team to be dropped and uh, there was an excellent article by uh, Kartik Adarte who goes by the username at Cricketing View on this. The two reasons to drop a player should be either one, you have a better player already in your squad. In that case, that player should already be playing ahead of the player whose position is in question. Second, the players in questions are in decline. Now let's look at the first case where you clearly have a better player in the squad. And a very good example of this was Sachin Tendulkar when he made his debut in 1989. The reason why Sachin made his debut was not because Indians needed a batsman in the middle order. He replaced Dilip Vengsarkar who was world number one for the last three years. The reason why he made his debut was because he was so good in the first class cricket 
that Indian selectors had no option but to play him. The second reason, as I said, to call for a player to be dropped is if the player is in decline. And it's very easy actually to observe whether a player is in decline or not just by looking at the numbers. If the team around the players is consistently scoring runs and the player in question is not scoring runs, that could be a sign of out of form or the player being in decline. Now, since the start of 2020, Pujara has an average of 25, Rahane has an average of 26, and Kohli has an average of 28. And in the two years before that, all three of them averaged 40. So clearly, over the last two years, they have not lived up to the standards that they have set. But context also matters. In the last two years, they have played New Zealand, Australia, England, and South Africa away. The four most difficult places to tour currently. And the series that they have played at home included England and New Zealand on pitches that were ranked turners where results were being produced in three or four days. So for the last two years, Indian team has played matches at the most difficult places to tour on this planet or at extremely difficult conditions in their own home against very good opposing teams. If you look at the couple of years before that, that is in 2018 and 2019, we played West Indies home and away, Afghanistan and Bangladesh at home. So there were matches, there were series to beef up your scores and as well as averages. Now, if you really want to replace Pujara or especially Rahane, the best way to do that is look at the first class numbers of players who are currently not playing and see if any of them have a better record than Pujara or Rahane. So if you set the cutoff at 2000 runs and players who average 50 in first class cricket, the only player who averages significantly better than Rahane or Pujara is Shubhan Gill, who would have been in the team had he not been injured. So apart from Shubhan Gill, there's not really a definitive answer on who should replace Pujara or Rahane. Now obviously since Indians have lost the test series, we need a scapegoat and it, with Kohli gone, it would probably be Rahane and they are going to replace him with Vihari, which is fine, that's how it works. But we have to understand that the selectors unlike us have a system in place, they have access to data that we do not and unless they are deliberately trying to sabotage the Indian cricket team, they are making decisions with the best interest of the team in their mind as far as team selection is concerned. A very good example actually of a very famous player who was dropped based on his poor form is actually Ganguly who was dropped in 2005 because he averaged 34 against the top 8 teams in the last 5 years in an era that was more batsman friendly and in an era where every team had at least 2 to 3 players who were averaging 50. So those are my two cents on the calls for Rahane and Pujara to be dropped. Now, a quick note on Kohli's captaincy. Without a shadow of doubt, Kohli is the best test captain in Indian cricket team history. There is no argument against it. His record speaks for itself. He was the first Indian captain to prioritize taking 20 wickets. In the eras before Kohli, most of the captains prioritize respectability over getting 20 wickets. Now you can argue that was because they did not have access to bowling resources that Kohli did. But Kohli also did not have 
those resources when he took over captaincy from Mahindra Singh Dhoni. But still, he st- stuck to his five bowlers plan even when they were not delivering results. He could have given up on it when we got slacked in England and in South Africa in 2018. And we saw the dividends of it. Yes, you will say we lost the World Test Championship. But again, the context matters. The conditions that we played in were favorable to New Zealand. And for the first three days of play, we went toe-to-toe with the New Zealand attack. It was just one session of play that took the game away from India. And even though a lot of people are calling his resignation the end of an era, and it might sound hyperbole to some given that they still have the same bowlers in place, even though the captaincy could be handed over to K. Rahul or Rohit Sharma or Pant. On that front, I don't think they'll give it to Rohit Sharma. They shouldn't, given that his body and his hamstring really needs to be taken care of. KL Rahul actually does not have a good captaincy record with Kings Eleven Punjab. When he was part of the Karnataka team, he was not the captain. And if today's ODI result is anything to go by, I don't think his captaincy generated a lot of interest. And if India do end up losing this ODI series, they could actually accelerate and make Pant the test captain. Bumrah would actually be a good choice, but given that he doesn't play home series and given how much we depend on him in the overseas, I doubt they would go down that road. Another option that they have on their front is make Ashwin a stop captain just like Kumble was for a couple of years and then hand it over to Pant, who is phenomenal. I mean, I just love watching Pant. Anyway, so back to the point of this being end of an era. I don't think it would be end of an era right now, but in two to three years, when the likes of Shami, Ishant, Ashwin, maybe Umesh start retiring or dropping off, that's when Indian Test cricket would start having problems unless they are replaced by bowlers of equal quality, which they could be. I mean, we have over a billion people who are crazy about cricket, so you never know, but The same was the case 10 years ago also, but we struggled to find two decent pace bowlers to fill in our testing. And I actually feel very privileged that I have witnessed this team in all its glory. Yes, it was slightly disappointing that they didn't win the World Test Championship, but a single match is not an indictment of how good of a team this was over the last half a decade. Anyway, that's my time. Thank you for your patience. I appreciate you listening to the end. I'll see you guys next week, next fortnight depending on schedule till then take care guys bye bye